0: Minutia Man is up next, but first listen to this other fine OPI show.
1: Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, while Lou is on assignment, I'll be joined by nationally recognized Buick specialist Bill Kubik for a wide-ranging
2: discussion about our favorite topic, cars. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for this special
1: episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The
2: following is a Tony Lasano Podcast An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Mission Man, Man with Rick and Dave. I'm doing the uh doing the middle-aged uh, dancer guy right now. Okay. Ooh, the All, right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It looks more like oh god, I feel like <laughs> I've seen your old face and I don't, I don't My old face is my now face, to be honest I, with you. I don't uh I don't want to ever see that again. Yeah, one, is, is there some way we can make sure that that never happens again? The the bite the lip or the, the thing that I just saw. No, uh, no. So never again.
0: When was the last time when you go to weddings? You've got a huge yeah. family. When was the last time you went to a wedding with Bridget? Uh, last summer. Okay. When was the last time you danced with Bridget at a wedding? So I dance at every wedding. How many times? One. Once. Right. Once. And is it the fast song or the slow? Or is it like? It's the Schneebulzer. <laughs>
2: The, the the what? <laughs> What's the Schneewalzer? It's the it's a it's a German song. Uh, it's a, a, what does it mean? What does Schneewalzer mean? The waltz, the snow waltz, okay, a snow sure. waltz, okay. Um, and there's there are several German bands in Chicago. Probably uh, half a dozen. They play all the weddings that we go to, basically. And whenever I walk in and I see them, it like will meet eyes and they'll know that, you're the, you're that the, they have to do the Schneewalzer. Okay. And that's a totally true story. <laughs> Anywhere you go. Like I'm, I'm doing i I'm hosting, uh, well, this is coming out on Saturday. I will be the MC on Saturday night at the Schlachtfest <laughs> for Green White. And the band playing knows that I will be dancing to the Schneevalter. And they'll play it. They may play it twice just so that I dance twice. Well, hopefully your gout won't prevent you from... Oh, no, my to... gout is in check. Really? Oh, yeah. So what are some of the names of the German bands? Uh, well, the one that's going to play on Saturday is called Paloma. Okay. That sounds actually Polish. Eh, well, I don't know. There's a song called Paloma Blanca." Okay. Um, there's another uh, uh, one called Phoenix. Okay, I'm I was hoping for There's the Schnedel or whatever. Uh the Johnny Wagner band. Okay, now we now we're going yeah. into what I'm looking for. Right. So all these guys they all know me. And and and, and I do the Schnavalter because it's a slu- I mean it's a it's a waltz and anybody can do a waltz. Right. And and even then, me. And that's the only one that you do. That's the only one. Remember you and I took ballroom dancing oh, classes yeah, right, before, right before we got married, Dave and I and and actually three or four couples. Yeah. We all knew we were getting married. Right. We knew we were going to have to go to the, these weddings, and so we ne- we learned all the dances. And that was just horrible. <laughs> you remember how well, horrible that was? I remember
0: what was really horrible was when the teacher would say, "Okay, you're not going to dance with your partner." You have to dance with every other woman in the class. They're right. like, I don't want to
2: do that. Well, you know what I discovered? I'm a very sweaty guy. <laughs> I would start, you know, if you, if you start hopping around doing a polka, you right. know, I don't get a lot of exercise. I don't know if you know this about me. Right.
0: And 30 years ago, we were in no better shape. No, and probably worse. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably worse. Yeah. I did not like the ballroom. Dancing. No, yeah,
2: right. did not like it. At um, I will. I
0: got I can't even remember literally the last time I danced with Michelle.
2: Oh, come on Saturday night. To the Schlockfest. the Schlock Michelle's
0: going to be in, uh, she's away.
2: Well, she, you can come and dance with somebody else. No, that was <laughs> the point I said. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, I went out and uh, I danced with, all night right, long. With Aunt Hetty, <laughs> And
0: Hildegard Schmooch? <laughs> at <and> Hildegard? <laughs> and Alga? Uh, so, hey, I am who I am. So I had actually, we had talked about your dream. Yeah. You know, the weird dream that you the had. The lion dream, yes. And I had a, I had a re- and I had an animal dream as well. Oh really? Of, a couple of days ago. And this is really v- and and I'm hoping that our listeners are going to chime in and kind of tell me what is my what it means. Yeah. So we are thinking about getting a dog. Okay. Okay. So I
2: got, you want uh, Ivy? I know you two of you no, get along great.
0: No, I don't want Ivy. Uh, we're thinking of getting a a doodle. Do you know what a a doodle uh-huh. is? Yeah. So I had a dream that we got a big a doodle Okay. And he was running around our house and then about three days after we got it, my dad, there was a, there was a, like a zipper in the sheep doodle dog and somebody like unzipped the dog costume and it was my father. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, who had been has been dead for 40 whatever years. Wow. Yeah. And then I remember in my dream going, where have you been? Yeah. Do you know what
2: you've missed? <laughs> It's doing your little sheep a doodle <laughs> yeah you're right exactly How long have you been in that costume and then I you have three grandchildren you've never met <laughs> right
0: exactly but the, but the kids loved the sheep a doodle, so there's got to be some weird thing
2: connection. all right put that out there for right. our listeners. they've come through for us in the past.
0: All right, well, I got some stuff we got go Wait great... wait wait what let me do
2: the the jingle. You're listening to Minutia Men, featuring the wacky exploits of your good pals Rick and Dave. Give them 22 minutes and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. Okay.
0: What I was going to say before, I I knew you were going to do the jingle, but we've got Ross Bennett coming on later in the show. Ross Bennett is... You may not know him by name, but you've seen him. He's a stand-up comic. He's been on Na- David Letterman, and he's been on National Broad, and he's great. He's very, he's very funny. very funny guy. And we're going to talk to him about, um, well, his life as a comedian. Yeah. Um, I got something here. This is from the health desk. Okay. Okay. Child Protection Commissioner apologizes for saying strong sperm could impregnate women in swimming pools. <laughs> This comes out of Indonesia. Have we ever had an Indonesian? I don't think so. An Indonesian Child Protection commission Commissioner has apologized for claiming that women could get pregnant from swimming in the same pool as men. Okay. KPAI Commissioner for Health and Narcotics and Addictive Substances, Splooji McGee. <laughs> Not his real name city Hakamakawati conceded that she made a mistake, an inaccurate statement when she mentioned that.
2: As a woman said this. Yes.
0: Uh, days earlier, like I said, she had stated in an interview with Tribune News that there is an especially strong type of male sperm that may cause pregnancy in a swimming pool.
2: <laughs> Do you think uh, she was a, a Kevin Matthews listener? <laughs> Why was Did, that? A- so Kevin Matthews was a, a disc jockey at, at uh, AM 1000 back in the. 80s and 90s. A friend of mine, I've worked with him. He had a character named Jim Shorts. Sure. Right. Jim (laughs) Shorts. Right. It was his uh, sportscaster. Yes. And his girlfriend, Jim Shorts, the the fake character Jim Shorts, his fake girlfriend got pregnant in a swimming pool. <laughs> okay, well then. So she was so, Indonesian. Then, yeah, basically. could be. I think she actually was Asian. Okay, well,
0: he was ahead of his time. Now I want to talk to all the women who might be listening. Okay, to our program right now. If by some remote chance that you share a swimming pool with me, yeah, do not. You have absolutely nothing to worry about my sperm. Okay, they have little ambition. They are not nearly. You know, right? In good enough shape, right? To and stamina to be able to swim. The <laughs> they
2: don't even swim. <laughs> they don't. They swim like shit. You know, uh,
0: and and quite frankly, they probably would need a GPS to find you, anyways. Yeah. If they're like me, which I think probably the my sure sperm are. sperm are. Uh, have you ever thought about if your sperm had a voice? What your <laughs> sperm's voice would sound like? My sperm's voice. Yeah. Uh, I think mine would be something like. Um, how are you
2: doing? <laughs> you are. Yeah, how are you doing? Hello. How Looks like Ray <laughs>
0: Exactly. I'm just <laughs> a sperm, don't know where I'm going.
2: Doop doop de doop. Take a little
0: nip. I'm pretty surprised that I was uh, able to father three children, but now in retrospect, there were some scientists involved yeah.
1: that that yeah, pres-
2: you did have some help. <laughs> so whatever. But what is your sperm voice? I just did it. Oh, so so we have the same sperm. Oh Oh, my god! Actually, mine is dead. Uh, You know, I I've been fixed. Well, that doesn't mean that all the well, I guess the sperm's still there, but they're they're not. uh, No, no, it's just. Oh, do they take? Yeah, I think they're I think they're dead. They're more like. Mm -hmm.
0: So I'm more of a man than you are with right now.
2: Yes, yes, you are with my translocated chromosome sperms well let me i got a story for you and this is my worst nightmare right now if you know anything about me there are certain things that i worry about um and they all involve death right Uh, my biggest fear is dying an embarrassing death Mm -hmm. because then everything that happened before that everyone's like oh you mean the guy who who choked on a bottle cap right exactly so embarrassing death number one. The guy one.
0: who died at Schlockfest <laughs> in 2020. That dancing guy dancing the Schneeballs. That <laughs> guy. Yeah. Schneeballs Rick. Yeah, I remember him.
2: Yes. So that's one. My second biggest fear is appearing to be dead, and either being uh, buried alive because right. you are, and a then waking son. up and going, "What? what the... <laughs> I'm in a coffin." <laughs> yeah. that- or being cremated when I wasn't fully dead, uh, yeah, okay. all right? Sure. Now this actually happened this week. No. According to police, 48-year-old Paul Houston decided to take a nap on a stretcher after working for 16 hours Where straight.
0: This?
2: Where is it? Uh, this is in America. Okay. America. While he was sleeping, another employee mistook him for the corpse of a 52-year-old car accident victim and carried him to the crematorium. Now uh, Paul Houston, a very sound sleeper, before anyone could notice the mistake, he had been exposed to temperatures ranging between 1,400 and 1,800 Holy degrees Fahrenheit shit. and reduced to ashes. Oh. It's a true story. Wow. Jenna Anderson, one of Mr. Houston's coworkers, says she heard him scream for about 15 seconds after the crematory was activated. At first, we didn't understand where that sound was coming from. <laughs> Don't realized, worry about right, it. We realize what was happening. It was too late. We shut down the heating system, but he was already dead. Now, now I'm never going to sleep again. Well, I've certainly never taken Ambien again. I'm never going to sleep again. Wow. That, that is the worst story ever. D- is there
0: any uh, thought that maybe the coworker that cremated him didn't like him? And go, oops, sorry,
2: my bad. Well, they, the, the police have investigated it. They, there may be a, a, a criminal negligence charge, but they don't think the kid. Well, you know that I purpose. used to work at a funeral home, right? Yeah, in the parking lot, right? Yeah, I was a parking lot attendant for Bar
0: Funeral Home, which is still there on the Chicago on Chicago's north side. Yeah. And after the funeral and after the all the cars that were parked, I had to take the keys back into the funeral home and leave the back door. And the back door was where the embalming room was. So I had to walk through the embalming room, and and more often than not, there was a Eey, there was a dead body there. On, you know, next up, you know, there was the pregame show, and uh, yeah, barf- that was my first paying gig
2: was as a parking lot attendant. Well, driver. so let me restate this. I've mentioned this to my family several times now, but before you do anything to me, I want you a hundred percent sure I'm dead. Yeah, right. I yeah. want people poking me. I right. want right. you know. Punch me. Punch right. me in the face. If o- I'm
0: dead, nothing will happen. Open up a beer next to me, and if I move, right. right, you're right. right, Start playing the Schneevalzer. <laughs> right. See if my
2: feet move. Right, exactly. And if there's a little bit of tap, I may not be dead yet, right? Right. Uh, just be absolutely sure. All right, so coming up in a few minutes, we've got our, uh, our big guest, Ross Bennett. And just because we know you may not know him by face... Uh, We want to play a little bit of his comedy.
1: I always like to close my shows by taking a little poll. Uh, By applause, who here is 50 and older? Applaud if you are 50 and older. That's enough. Don't hurt yourself. Be careful. Applaud Applaud if you're under 50. The question I leave you with, what is the major difference... Between those of you who are over 50 and under 50, if you know it, just shout it out. (laughs) A colonoscopy. Now, people say, Ross, why do you talk about a subject like this? It's very private. I actually do it as a public service. I figure if I can get everybody laughing about it, appropriately, when they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s, then maybe when the doctor tells them it's time for the examination, they won't put it off, because for some of those people, it turns into a tragedy in their lives and for their families. So here's what's going to happen. Someday, you'll be 50 years old. This young man here, you'll be 50 years old. You'll be in your doctor's office. He'll be looking at his paperwork, and he'll be thinking to himself, I need to make a payment on my boat. (laughs) He tells you it's time for your colonoscopy. You get uncomfortable. You you think it's gonna hurt, and they don't hurt, because they give you drugs. I always tell young people, do not do drugs. But if the doctor insists, you gotta do it. I give you legal narcotics. You go in in fear. You quickly become an old jazz musician. There's no pain. If there's anything, it's the night before where there's a little discomfort. My favorite part of the show, this is where those of us who've had one know something they do not. Very powerful feeling. They act like they, they walk around like they know everything. There's some things you don't have a clue about. (laughs) The night before your colonoscopy, you must clean out your gastrointestinal tract. You must do it. It's your job. And it doesn't seem fair. The doctor's getting $1,000. He should do it. But they won't go on your high knee until it's bright and shiny. They give you a gallon bottle of a liquid. The brand name of the liquid, Go Lightly. And don't believe them, it's a lie. It's a violent caustic liquid. They call it prep. They should call it the night of a thousand waterfalls. It left me chapped. So I'm here to offer advice. This is the last thing I'll tell you. I'm here to offer you two pieces of advice. For those of you, when you came for your first one, or for those of you who apparently you'll have your sixth or seventh. Here you go. You ready for this? Chapstick. Get yourself a two-dollar tube of chapstick. Now you don't want it to be medicated or mentholated. Regular, original. And my second piece of advice, and trust me on this. Don't let what happened to me happen to you. When you're done with the chapstick. <laughs>
0: you can just throw it away. You can throw it away. <laughs> throw it away. So
2: a wonderful audience. Thank you. Uh, that is Ross Bennett, <clears throat> who will be coming on here in just a few minutes. But I uh, wanted to make sure that you got an idea of what kind of a comic he is and what kind of his act is. Um, Dave, if people want to you know, find this show. Rick, there are so many
0: different ways you can do it. You can go on Google Play. You yeah. can subscribe there. You can subscribe on iHeartRadio, on uh, Apple Podcasts, on, yeah. on Pandora, Pand- Spotify. Spotify. You yeah. can go on the RadioMisfits.com uh, d- uh, website website you can listen you can download them there you can listen to them there there are tons of ways that you can listen and please subscribe and review we've got like 330 or something something great reviews please be our 330 first so yes
2: and thank you for all those nice reviews all right we have time for one more feature before we take a break and let's uh, just roll into it a random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities.
0: Mixture. Collection. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety.
2: Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the jar, pulls out the name of a celebrity. And I have to tell the story of how I met that celebrity. Uh, last week, I had Sam Moore from Sam and Dave. Okay. And you promised. I have a that story too. Do you want me to a do story. my story first? Yeah, you
0: do your story. It's not really that great of a story. So we were at um, Chicago Fest with my friend Paul Kasaka. Mm-hmm. Who was me and Paul Kasaka? I haven't talked to Paul Kasaka in many, many years. And uh, we went to Chicago Fest, and you know how they used to have all the different stages, right? Yeah. And yeah. there was one salmon. And day. It was on
2: uh, Navy Pier, right? Like and they would, it
0: would be and Navy Pier. I mean, it was a long venue. I mean, it was. I don't know dozen stages. At the
2: time, Navy Pier was abandoned, basically. Yeah, right.
0: right. But they had this and, they right. had Chicago festival. Once a year. And we went, you know, we, we got there or whatever, 7 o'clock, and we look at all the, we go to every venue, and everything was packed, 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 packed. And then the one in the corner was Sam and Dave. And there wasn't that many people there. <laughs> They're like, all right, well, let's just go watch Sam and Dave. It could be two guys. I don't know. Yeah, Frat brother, was. whatever. Yeah. And we knew, and this is what, 1980? Yeah, 7980 or whatever, and I had no idea who Sam and Dave were. They blew me away. They, they were, unbelievable. were unbelievably fantastic, you know, and uh was that before um if it, the Blues Brothers <laughs> no, was it was it was was it a, it must have been right around the time of the Blues yeah, Brothers. Yeah, probably. And uh you know, they did Soul Man and uh hold on, I'm coming. All of them and it was and there was probably, I don't know, 75 people at this yeah. stage in the corner.
2: That, right, because uh, Molly Hatchett was yeah, playing. Whatever, right, or yeah, yeah, and... Um, oh, or, well, let's see, Foghat or Sam and Dave? Yeah, right. We've got to see Foghat. <laughs> right. And they were just fantastic. I didn't get yeah. to meet them like maybe you. What is your story? Well, I did. So we had... Um, now, we had just Sam, because Dave passed away mm-hmm. in the early 80s, I think. or sometime in the 80s. Um, he died, I think, in a car accident. But uh, Sam... Uh, was touring by himself, and he was appearing at. Uh, we used to do this oldies concert at Lamb's Farm. We, mm-hmm. you know, we bring in thirty thousand people to this show, and well, part of the deal was this. Uh, this is this is how backwards our our radio station was. They never. It never occurred to them to offer up these guys that are appearing on this show as guests to us on the radio show. The radio station, yeah, our, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I, f- I went into the program director and I said, "Look, this is stupid. We've got these, you know, rock and roll Hall of Famers coming on and playing for us. They're in town. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, you know, we have a morning show, All right? And that's twelve minutes. You don't have to write exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you see right through me. Um, so anyway, I got I booked uh, Sam Moore. Now Sam said, uh, you know, before nine a.m. is not, not a good time. Not a po- right. not a possibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I booked him for like nine fifteen. We were on until ten, and he walked in, and he had his eyes were all bloodshot. Yeah. And how I, old was he? Probably eighty ish, maybe now. No, he's pro- he was probably in his sixties okay. at that time. Maybe you know he's probably in his eighties now. He's yeah. still alive. Yeah. Okay. We got to get him and just tell the story. <laughs> oh my god. No, we don't want him. <laughs> so, so Landecker starts interviewing him, and Sam has absolutely nothing to say, and and he is looking at us like, "Why am I here? <laughs> this is awful." You know, let me just do my show tonight. Yeah, right.
0: In fourteen hours or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um uh, And we got absolutely nothing out of him and that's
0: my Sam Moore story. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, my he was great when I he was very engaged when when
2: I saw him. Well, you saw him on stage. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. so that's so that's the way you want to see a Sam Moore.
0: All right, oh. let me get um pulling a name out for next week. I think this guy's brother was in the news for embezzling some money or something Brian Erlocker wasn't his brother Oh yeah he just got busted Yeah he got busted for from... a gambling thing Yeah I he's think. like a he was a mayor of some small little suburb and didn't he like embezzle some money No from... no
2: no I think he uh was part of some gambling ring or something Well you know what we're going to have to look that up because <laughs> we're not accusing anyone of anything <laughs> yeah, Brian Erlocker show <laughs> So
0: former Chicago Bear Hall of Famer Yeah Hall of Famer Brian Erlocker will be the next All right man. I will tell you that story uh next week uh, let's take a break. I am exhausted. I mean, this has been, if, you know, my sperm, right? The, the, <laughs> my sperm would be only one
2: th- third of the way through the swimming pool now. So Looks let's take like a break. we got to take a break. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with uh, Ross Bennett right after this.
3: If
0: you missed L- Los, An- L- Los, or La- Los Los or Anno and friends, here's what you missed.
3: I'm Ro Khan. Do you like to talk about <laughs> politics? Is I it- actually don't. Politics, the problem is I'm, I have no problem discussing politics. I just don't like uh, discussing it from that left-right paradigm, the way that, that talk radio does it. Right. You know, where most of the, either, you know, the hosts are either you know, very far to the right or very far to the left. Right. You know, most of them are very far to the right. And I grew up in this business, so I know what the trick is. And this is before talk radio was actually a political force in the 1980s. Yeah. I would say that two-thirds of the conservative talk shows in America don't believe anything anything that they're saying. Yeah. They're doing it solely to agitate so they can get phone calls. Right. There's a couple things that worry me about the future. I'm, I, this is, I'm getting to be an old man because it's like, I all of a sudden, you know, back in my day, we didn't have Armenian girls having sex with black guys. You know, I was like, what? <laughs> what are they talking about? You know, I don't know. And this is not against, you know, the, the uh, Republicans or conservative philosophy because I, I happen to vote Republican more than I do Democrat, right. but I, I vote for both. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a centrist. I could yeah. see both sides when I decided Who's, who's got the better idea at that moment right. that I think is going to be better for the future? It's not always the same thing. It's not always right. some sort of dogma. The left dogma doesn't make any sense to me, and yeah. most of the right stuff doesn't make any right. sense to me. Well, I've always said MSNBC and Fox News, neither of them are news channels or no, entertainment no, no, no. channels. Oh, and it's that's, all entertainment. But people perceive it because they put the label news on it and present it like news. Right. it's like, no, it's just talking points. The Federal Trade Commission should do something about that. It is completely entertainment. And I've worked in cable news. Yeah. And I use that term loosely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I worked with Glenn Beck. I know you my think God, that Glenn Beck oh my has any? I was his fill-in when he was at CNN. Yeah. To bring this around full circle, he was a morning DJ in Phoenix. Okay, yeah. Glenn is yeah. a showman. I mean, he's—he he didn't get in this for the right. politics of right, it. Right, right. Yeah. I think Rush truly believes what he says. That. Really? I do, yeah. I always
2: thought of him as more of an entertainer uh-uh. than anything.
3: No, wow. I think he really believes it. Mm. And he's very hes entertaining at doing it. He's yeah. very entertaining at doing and it. And he could do it without calls. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the yeah. point. That's there's very saying. few guys can do that. Right. There's Everybody in Conservative Talk Radio has a first and last name. It's just like the same thing. Hugh Hewitt. And uh, like Lou Lewis. And there's guy I mean, literally, there are guys that... You know, Tom Thompson. It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> you think we're that stupid? We can't remember your name? Did you have the name of yourself twice? You <laughs> have been
2: <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Losano
0: and friends. Losano. Now on Losano.com. Good luck trying to spell
2: Losano or whatever
0: it's called.
2: All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of Coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what? podcast would you tell people they need to listen to free kicks with Adam and Rick and that's on the radio Misfits podcast network free kicks a Tony lasano podcast an Opie
0: show on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com
2: time now for the celebrity minutia minute hey you got a minute celebrity minutia minute with Rick and Dave okay joining us on the phone Dave I, I you know this is a, a big thrill for us because this is a we're talking about a professional comedian um, major, uh, and I have to admit to you Ross that uh, Dave and I didn't really know much about you before we attended Dobie Maxwell's book release party at Zany's a few years ago. But uh, right, Dobie's a good friend of ours. We published his book, and we saw you. You were the headliner that night, and you absolutely killed. You it was right. one of the funniest sets we've ever seen. We we have become huge fans of yours. And my first question is uh when are you coming back to town?
1: Meaning Chicago.
2: meaning Chicago.
1: And uh, of course uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I mean I I I don't like to be difficult, uh, <laughs> but but the uh these choices are not ultimately up to me. Yes. Well uh, people have to want uh to put get toge- put this thing together and so um uh we'll see. Well will see, but I've I've always loved being whenever I worked in Chicago. I lived there for a number of years, oh. and worked at Zany's a lot. But you know, yeah, as 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 uh, as time goes on, your the, the options for venues shift and change. And uh, but I I'd, I'd, I'd be back there tomorrow. I'm actually gonna be I'm actually am gonna be there for one hour tomorrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, <It'll> I'm <laughs> changing planes. I'm on my way to uh, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin for Saturday night. Wow. wow, I'm I'm flying through Chicago tomorrow.
0: So what airline? So we can have fans uh, check you out
2: at Gate Seventeen or something, right? You'll be doing a right? big signs up for you.
1: I will be on United Airlines. Okay, okay.
2: yeah, you don't want. Now, to... when you lived in Chicago, where did you live? What part of town?
1: Well, I've been there. You know, when I started my career, uh, and 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 I sort of say that in quotes. Um, I uh, first came there in 1978. Uh, I had met a, a Chicago comic, uh, at, um, Ted Holum. Do you ever hear Ted Holum? Uh, uh, no, I don't Well, so. uh, I'm, I'm down in Florida after I got out of the army in, uh, in the spring of 78 and I meet this guy he, and it was at a, I was doing a talent show and that was the only time I, you know, I was still trying to pull an act together and this guy went up and it was the first comic I ever saw where every joke worked. Mm. You know, it wasn't like there was any question in his mind. This he this guy, I never seen a guy with an act like this, you know, where every joke worked. And afterwards, we had a conversation and uh, he said, you're funny. He goes, I have a couple of showcase rooms up in the in the in the Chicago area in the suburbs. He goes, if you move up, I can put you on stage 10 times a week. I can't I can't pay you (laughs) put you on stage 10 times a week and i sold the last few things i owned dropped out of my third college and i was up there like two weeks later oh, wow and so i lived out in lions sure. in the suburbs okay and there was a club in lions called the, the, the comedy womb w-o-m-b the comedy womb where comedians are born oh and, clever and then nice. there was another club another club out in rosemont called the comedy cottage So uh, that's where that was the first my first experience with Chicago, and I left there in the uh, about nine months later, and I ended up moving in Los Angeles in January of '79. But the second time I was there living was um, I think ninety I think was ninety three to ninety five or ninety two to ninety four, and I lived right in uh, uh, like near Clark and Diversey and Broadway and all
2: that kind of thing. Okay
1: and i had an apartment there and uh and during that period of time i remember uh, bert haas at the comedy at the um um zanies he he put me up he goes he, he, if you know Bert, he goes bert, he goes, he goes uh, ross tell you, you you move here and i'll give you one week a month oh. i got three clubs i'll put you in each club four times no because I got four clubs i'll put you in each club three times and you'll you you make your nut for your month. You'll be guaranteed that one week every month. And then I sort of restructured my uh, career at that point out of the the Midwest. So well, that's my experience. and then and then while I was there, I took uh, I went to Second City because I'd always you know I was a, I was a comedy club headliner, but I'd always wanted to learn more about improv. And I spent a year and a half while I was there studying improv at the Second City. And one of my I had my my teachers were I had Colbert as a teacher.
0: <laughs> That's pretty And
1: good. I had um, uh, Carell, Steve Carell. He didn't wow. he, he did he didn't have a full class, but he substituted for Colbert once. And, that. Uh,
2: That's around the time that Dave and I were.
1: Yeah, we. Too,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, but we didn't get those teachers. We got <laughs> no. like
0: Stumpy McGee or whatever was ours. So you,
1: you, I remember watching when I went and saw the show at Second City at that time, in like the mid '90s, and I saw Steve Carell. I said, "This guy's going to be a giant star." Yeah, he was, you know, fantastic. Colbert, Colbert, I didn't see it. You know, he was just a, a, a good-looking guy who spoke well. You know, but uh, Carell was, was obviously a genius. Oh yeah. Absolute genius.
0: So you had mentioned that you after so you were in Chicago, then you went to L.A. and so you were in the eight. Uh, what what time frame were you in Los Angeles at that time?
1: I lived there from seventy nine to eighty four.
0: So you were there in some crazy times. I mean, you must have been able to see some of the great comedians of you know. In well, history. I, I
1: the, my my big thing was that um, when when uh, Pryor put together his second concert. The live on Sunset mm-hmm. Strip, yeah, the one that about after he uh, burned himself up and everything, right? He put that together up at the comic strip, and uh, I was there while he did that, and so I got to I got oh. to see him go up, you know, dozens and dozens of times, where, because he, he basically would go up with nothing, and he would start to build this set based on. Uh, a very organic process wow and uh i feel you know it's in my own little way i feel that that was sort of my if, if i went to a school for stand-up it was that summer wow and uh, i kind of uh w- it taught me to always trust that eventually you work on it long enough you, you'll figure the joke out you'll, you'll figure it out
0: did you get to you meet him did you get to meet him or carlin or any of those you
1: guests? know I, I shook his hand <laughs> i remember you know he was he was you know he, the great thing about comedy and comics is you you know I, I worked at the comedy cellar for a number of years in new york and you're sitting at that table there at the in the back of the of the uh cellar and i can be sitting there and, and jerry seinfeld could come up yeah and he's got the same pad of paper that i have <laughs> You know, I mean, comics, you know, once you get down to it, it's it's the same. The numbers might be different in terms of how much money they can generate. Uh, But ultimately, it's like, is this funny? I think it's funny. How do I make it funny? And we share that common um, uh, we share that, that that common experience. So most comics can hang out at least for some period of time. With other comics and they have something to say to each other
2: yeah they do hang out a lot don't they um and you know also i would you know I, I would describe your uh, your set as observational humor is that kind of what you would describe it as too Where I, you-
1: i'm gonna be a, i'm gonna be a jerk i hate to label myself okay because i don't yeah rick it's up to me to <laughs> label myself you know i just i got my thing that i do And um, uh, but, hey, if you think I'm observational, good observation. (laughs) Excellent observation.
2: Well, the reason I say that, let me retrench myself a little bit here. The reason I say that is because you're a lot of your stuff is about just day to day things that are happening and. When you when your comedy act is about that, and I I used to write a column for a newspaper, and uh, my job was to write a humor column every week, and uh, I would walk around with this little notebook in my back pocket, and if I saw something funny, I would write it down. And I was wondering right. if that's kind of a similar thing that you have. You you like walk around with uh, looking for the humor in the world, or you, if something just
1: happens to seem funny to you, is that what? How how do you? Right. I teach a I teach a class here in the city, and um, uh, my basic philosophy, my definition is that my job is to go through my life and uh, find things that I think are funny, and then uh, i got to figure out a way to translate it so that a, a group of people, a room full of people, how I can get them to see the same thing that I thought was funny, and then also to get them to see it all at the same time, you know, to to, hit, to have it in the structure of a, of a joke that makes it so it can pop at the end. Right. Um, now sometimes that's, it is an observation, you know, uh, sometimes it's just amusing, you know, it's like something just hits you. That's odd, you know, just some sort of a thought, you know? So, I mean, it's, um, so I think in that regards, um, uh, I guess there are people who just do characters and that kind of stuff. And it's not so much an observation as it is a character driven thing. I don't know. Once I start thinking about it, I just want to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's true. When you break down comedy and you start analyzing it too much, suddenly it's not that funny. I anymore. suck. It's <laughs>
0: never going to be
1: funny again. Uh,
0: have you been watching any of the the shows on television, like you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and and Crashing on HBO? I mean, these these. I,
1: I do not watch Crashing. Okay. I have watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and it's marvelous.
0: Yes, it's one of my favorite.
1: How uh, how.
0: You know uh, apropos is, i mean how is it is that kind of like the life of a comic now of course, Maisel is back in the sixties uh but you know well,
1: it it really starts in the late fifties yeah late fifties, early sixties i feel uh when I looked at it, it was um I just felt that they got it mm-hmm. okay that that and and I have all sorts of comics who friends who, who complain about it. OK, that they don't know oh, no, that the, her routines aren't funny, blah, blah, blah. And it's like w- the thing is, I don't believe a, a actual stand up routine. Would be effective in that show. No, you know, it's 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 it, the stand up routines there are humorous. But they, they also drive forward plot points and they, they drive forward relationships and, and, and they tell you backstory. There's all sorts of stuff that happens from it, you know, uh, like when she's up there ranting about uh, something right. sexual or whatever. And then she sees her father out there. Right. OK, right. the 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 actual joke is you know, it's all really just a device to get her in this horrible, horrible moment of, of, of confrontation with her with her father. Yeah. In terms of, you know, him realizing who she is anyway. But I, I like that part of it. I like. Um, uh, now, I'm not Jewish, although most people are, are surprised when they hear that. You know what? You're
0: honor- I, you're an honorary. I, I have the power of making you an honorary one.
1: The um, uh, I'm not Jewish, but I uh, uh, particularly living here. And, you know, it's it's such a the Jewish culture is such a giant part of stand up culture. Okay? Yeah. Um, and I've lived in the New York city area for the last 20 years. I was in the friars club for 15 years and uh, the upper West side Jewish culture. I never knew that. I never knew what that meant. Okay. But once I, but I I have all sorts of friends who fit into that culture and have for for decades. And then I see that and I get it, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. this whole different world up there. You know, the, 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 The counterpoint between their culture and kevin pollock's culture the the garment district culture yeah okay and the funny is the garment district has the money and the ones up on the upper west side uh have the uh have the job at columbia but no money yeah you know right right right. uh uh it's just i just love it i just love it i love that they finally this last season they got up to the cat skills And uh, they they just did a wonderful job up there, and uh, and then of course Lenny Bruce,
2: yes, who they you make know, a character in the show and 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 really believable.
1: It's first off the, the actor who plays him. Oh, it's great. Won won an Emmy for him last fall. Yeah. Okay. So and if you're a comic like of my generation, maybe others, but you know Lenny Bruce is sort of a mythic character. OK, that you may have seen you, you, you see uh, uh, we've seen his appearance on, like, uh, the uh, the Jack Parr show or the right. Steve Allen Tonight Show. We saw that. You can see a video of that. And you can see Dustin Hoffman doing the movie Lenny. Right. But, you know, it, it ends up that that movie is doesn't do uh, Lenny Bruce justice, you know, because uh, I spoke to somebody who said that because because Dustin Hoffman's not funny.
2: Right. It's a kind of okay. a key ingredient.
1: You know, it's it's he's not funny. Well, you know, all he is is Jewish. And the truth is, <laughs> right. he looks Jewish. Dustin Hoffman looks like just a, a, a an uber Jewish person, whereas Lenny Bruce was 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 was, was cute Jewish. Yeah, you know, yeah, he could have passed uh, for know, Italian. <laughs> uh, uh, ha- Dustin Hoffman is you know is like molester Jewish. Okay, <laughs> but Lenny Bruce is like you know smooth and charming. And, um,
0: <laughs> molester. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you got the and, Orthodox, you got the conservatives, and you got the molester Jews.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, um, but, uh, so the, the, the few things that I've actually, uh, found out about him is I, I that Marvelous Mrs. Maisel portrayal, I think that they get it. Yeah. I think that they get it. You know, it all comes down to when she bails him out of prison in the first episode, bails him out of jail in the first episode. And he's leaving the, the 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 police station, and she says something to him. You know, she goes, "Well, why do you do it?" or whatever. And he looks back, and he kind of throws his shoulders up, puts his hands up, and has a cute little smile on his face, and he walks yeah, out. And yeah, I, right. I think <laughs> what gets what's get what's gets lost because of how this guy died, and 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 uh, how he became obsessed with uh, the the speech thing and everything was he was just a really funny guy yeah, yeah. and he was quirky and he was obviously extremely charming because you can't be a star you can't attract an audience you know unless you're charming and he was a charming guy okay
2: well let's talk about your your big moment uh on television when you were on uh late night with david letterman uh yeah so we're talking what 6 7 years ago something like that
1: thanks yes yeah. it was 7 years ago 7 years ago uh, um, i can't believe it but it was
2: I have seen, I've seen the uh, set. Oh, that's great! Tell tell us the whole story because I know every comic want wants that slot, and you got it. And what happened to you before and after? And what I mean, what? Just tell us the whole well, story.
1: First off, I've been trying, I've been trying to get on a late night talk show, either the Tonight Show or uh, eventually or Letterman for ever since like 1982, right. okay, 1980, 81. I remember auditioning for Jim McCauley who was the talent coordinator at the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, starring Johnny Carson. And um, I did a set and when I got off stage, he wasn't there. And uh, <laughs> I was auditioning for him. And I chased him out into the, lot, into the parking lot and he smelled of, you know, booze and bourbon. Oh, and um, I said, well, what'd you think? And he goes, he goes, and, and it's sort of like between, bur- between bourbon belches. <laughs> He said he goes. I didn't. See, I didn't see anything that I thought was funny. Oh boy! And then there's a pause. And then he goes. And I definitely didn't see anything that Johnny would think was funny. Wow! And um, and of course I, I always feel that that's the point when my drinking crossed the line into alcoholism. <laughs> um, but it took me years and years and years to understand it. You know because I mean the thing is I always just go up and get laughs. Yeah. I could always go up and just get really big laughs, you know, and I remember going to when I first got to L.A., I auditioned for Mitzi Shore at the at the uh, comedy store. And I, I just destroyed, absolutely destroyed to the point that afterwards, the, the one of the talent court, the guy who introduced me, I think it was Robert Aguayo. He said, well, if you're going to talk to her, now's the time, because literally the audience is still la- I'm actually I'm actually i am actually in, sitting, I'm, I'm standing next to her at her booth in the back. Okay, the audience is still applauding. This mm. is this is a packed audience wow. at the at the um, uh, at the original room. And by the way, it was a hot. If you, that room was a hot, if you if you killed there, I mean, it was just it was unbelievable what yeah. would happen. You know, just the way that the bloom shook. They're literally still applauding. She waves me down with her hand and she says don't let any of that fool you you're not funny
2: <laughs> wow <laughs> Hell <Hello. crap. laughs>
1: and you know and, and and you know these were and, and that was what you know that was what i was up against okay and 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 i didn't know how to handle the idea that i killed and yet she didn't think i was funny okay and um i remember i remember a number of years later i, did, I was doing a comedy competition and there was a guy out of chicago who had the best set of his life, and he came in sixth. Yeah, and he had to leave. He'd never he he he'd never had response like that before, and he came in sixth, and he he had to leave. Okay, he just he couldn't handle that. Yeah. Okay, so because when we're up sta- we're on, when we're on stage and we're killed, it's like when you're it's like when you're having sex, it's just you and her, and you know she's screaming yes yes, and and and, and you're screaming yes yes. And at that moment, you're a god.
0: Yeah. That's where I get my most laughs, to be <laughs> I'll honest I'll have to that, take you your know, word for at that. that moment, <laughs> yeah. At that
1: moment, you're an absolute god. You're like Joe Buck from yeah. <laughs> uh, Midnight Cowboy. You know, you, you think because some girl in the back of a car uh, thought, you know, the, it, or it was happy with, with you that you belong in New York City as a as a, as a, as a cowboy, okay? <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, I tried to get on off and on for years um i remember i remember the the carson's last show crying because i knew that meant that i could never do it yeah you know i should have probably realized it would have been a couple years before that i would have have been a process (laughs) when the guy said johnny will never find you funny before yeah (laughs) the um um and then so i come to new york i move around a lot but i came to new york in around 2000 and I'd always had a good act, but, you know, it, it, I, I came up with the idea that I needed to put together an act. I needed to find my material that was showcase material, material for like the clubs in New York City. OK, as opposed to just, you know, comedy clubs around the country. Right. And I started to um, allow my material to kind of uh, I, I started to seek in, look into my material. Where's the jokes? Where are the really strong lines? OK. And my act started to develop around that and um i did not what happens is i auditioned for uh the guy who was the coordinator there and he didn't think he didn't think i was right for the show okay and um i just got tired of rejection so i just let it go i started doing cruises for a long time and um what happens is i i end up I lose my cruise agent, so I don't work at cruises for a year and a half, okay? And I'm in the clubs in the city. This is like 2010, 11, 12, right around there. And the guy who had said I wasn't, he wasn't right for the show got fired, okay? Uh, from He was the talent coordinator for, for the late show with David Letterman. And they replaced him with a triumvirate, three young people, okay? And they went out and saw all the acts in the city, that they, that they had heard about or, or the people recommended. And their deal was that all three of them had to want them on the show in order for them to, ha- to be, have a chance to be on the show. And I was offered a, sh- uh, a showcase at the comic strip by uh, Richie Tinkin, at, who's the owner of the place. And I actually turned him down. I said, you know, I just I just don't want to get – I just don't want to be rejected again. And I talked to my son that night, and he goes, you should really do it. So I did it. So I came, I called him up. I did it. I put together my set and uh did all my killer material, and uh I went up, and I just knocked it out of the park because i I was really good in that room, and it was all material that I thought would be good on television it was all material that I liked, I thought would be good on television and uh he richie told me an hour later he goes there were two people they were interested in yeah. and it was me and Colin Jost, the guy who was the uh um, oh yeah That's SNL. Another guy. and um and so that is probably June of 2012. And then uh they put me on another showcase, uh knocked it out of the park again. It was like me and it was like you know I was like 58, I was 57. And it was me and and like a bunch of guy people in their 20s and 30s, okay? And uh they had no idea what they were doing. They were no idea. It was, it was like 2D and 3D. It was like black and white and technicolor okay? <laughs> and um so they say they want me on the show and we put together a set over the next couple of months. And uh, so now it's like about August of 2012 and I got the set. Now we're just waiting for the time to go up. Wow. And it took another six months to find a slot. They called me up with a slot and it was a week that I was, I'd gotten back on cruise ships and it was a week that I was going to be in a, on a cruise ship. I had, could have that week or the following week. Okay. And I could take the first week they offered and cancel the cruise. Or if I do the cruise, I can come back and do it the next week uh, when I get back from the cruise. And I, in my mind, I knew that I had to take the second week. That if I was to allow myself to cancel $3,000 of work, it would be giving the show. It would be It'd be just, it's too needy. It was just too needy. Gotcha. You know, there's nothing worse when you're needy. It just felt too needy. Okay. And um, so between that Wednesday that uh, the Thursday that I didn't do it and the one I did that week, I was just praying. Every night that, that he didn't die of a heart attack,
0: or the ship doesn't sink, right. Yeah,
1: right. he didn't say some horribly racist, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. some horribly racist offensive thing on the air, and get, you know, <laughs> have some sort of you know, some sort of a horrible thing happen. You know, no assassin, and because uh, you know, you had to live with that for the rest of my life. You know, you know, I could have, <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be, I'd be drunk in a bar with a cigarette. You know, I I was almost. Uh, <laughs> Um, so that's the story of how I got on and everything.
2: That's a Damn. great, that's a great
0: story. Yeah, you uh, know, how many times have you watched on YouTube? Cause I think I've watched it like 30 times. Uh,
1: you do, know, do, do you, do you watch yourself on YouTube? I mean, do you, do generally, yeah. you know, generally, generally no. These days what I've done is I've scrubbed it. I've scrubbed the tube oh. to, uh, do all the material that I do in my – and basically I want to showcase the, the, the material that I'm doing when people hire me for corporate events and churches. And,
2: right, because and, uh, you do a clean act. Public events you're, you're,
1: and, you know, it's, yeah, I mean I, the bulk of my act and my jokes were always clean, but yeah. I always had some stuff because I'm in a club. That uh, you know i i I appealed to your lesser angels
2: Um, (laughs) well i uh, i I highly recommend people check out the stuff that you have up there on youtube we played a clip earlier about colonoscopies uh just to uh, tease your appearance um which is a great something that dave and i relate to totally (laughs) we're about the same age as you
1: did you get did you pull it off the dry bar
2: uh, I don't know what. Uh, uh, where, where did we get that? I don't know. Dave, they, they, they brought it in, so I'm uh, not sure. All right.
1: Well, here's the thing: you go on YouTube, and you uh, you put in Ross Bennett Dry Bar. Okay. Okay. And you know about Dry Bar comedy? No. What? what what's What's up with you guys? <laughs> dry Bar comedy is a um, uh, it's a it's a uh, it's online out of Utah. Yeah. and it's basically it's netflix for clean comedy oh okay and they have over 50 or between 50 and 100 comics who have produced they've produced full 45 minute like netflix specials but it's all clean comedy oh wow okay so they have a facebook page face uh, a dry bar you can get the clips on youtube you just clicking right now ross bennett youtube i mean ross bennett uh dry bar you'll see it and uh, then they also have a website where you can get the full specials okay oh well, there you go um and we're talking about i mean i've got my my that my videos on there have like three four million hits wow well there you go and uh, and some people have things of like 50 100 million hits i mean there's like there's some people when they connect they really connect you know um but that's that's if you want to see my stuff they got it's they got four chunks out of my 45 minute thing up there that uh i think really show me well the best i'm i'm, I'm very proud of those
2: well, we appreciate you coming on oh, today great, to do this uh, interview. We, it's always fun talking to you. And, you know, we're fans and we wish you oh, the best thanks, in Dan. your career. And if you're in the
1: I love what I, I love what I do, and I'm glad that I'm able to make people laugh and, and have a good time.
0: And if people are listening and you're in the United Terminal. Tomorrow from what seven to seven thirty or something, you you can catch Hold a sign up. (laughs) Hey, thanks a lot, man. We'll be in touch. uh, All right. uh, Thanks, buddy, and uh, uh, safe travels. And thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Bye. -bye. Well, thanks so much. That was great. I mean, he, um,
2: I love the David Letterman story, and just you take a deep dive into comedy. You know, well, these guys, you you see them on stage, and it looks like they're just going up there and being funny. But there is so much thought and so much uh,
0: well it takes he just basically said it took it took him a lifetime to do a 40 minute set yeah. you know um, and
2: now it's he's he's a great guy and if you're in Green Bay <laughs> that's right or at the airport uh, so a special thanks to our executive producer Tony Lasana with opishows.com dot com opi is hippo backwards o p p i h shows dot com we're distributed by Ed Silla with radio misfits great talk radio isn't dead It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Men. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you.
3: This has been a presentation of Opie Productions.
0: Tony, can you shut up?
2: What do you get when you hear a celebrity minutiaman interview, Dave? Rick, think of Dan Rather and Bill Meyer having a kid. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So you'll get minutiae.
0: Right. What does a Damone from Fast Times and Ridgemont High really think about the
2: movie? Right? Only one place to find out, and that's Celebrity Minutiaman Interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opieshows.com or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio. Mystery. Fits.
0: Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications.
1: From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv.
2: Coming to a podcast near you on the Opie shows and Radio Misfits podcast network It is Anne Friends. We are back with season three. I'm Woo. Sam. I'm Tommy. And I'm Kimmy. We talk about everything and anything you could possibly think of. Tommy, what do you usually talk about? I like to talk about just
3: anything that'll take us down a rabbit hole and start a discussion about it. Kimmy, what are you up to? Well,
0: I have some sex talk for this season, but I've changed it a bit for you boys. Changed it. Because I want to keep it fresh and hopefully make it... Not as raunchy. Oh. But Sammy, what do you got?
1: Oh,
2: I got Florida Man stories that are a little bit shorter and a little bit funnier, I'll have to say so Mm -hmm. myself. But you'll hear all of that on Anne Friends. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.